This podcast is brought to you by AJ Bell and Shares Magazine. Shares Magazine is published by AJ Bell Media, part of AJ Bell. Hi, welcome back to Money and Markets. I'm Laura from AJ Bell and I'm joined by Dan from Shares. Hello. So you might notice that we sound a little bit different this week. Like many other employees across the UK, we're now working from home. And so we've moved the podcast recording to Skype so that we can keep bringing you the podcast during these tricky times. Obviously, our little podcast is far from the most important thing at the moment, but we hope to carry on keeping you entertained while lots of you are spending more time at home. So, Dan, on with the podcast. What are we talking about this week? So understandably, we're going to look at how markets have been reacting to the continuing coronavirus threat. Things have moved on very rapidly since last week's episode of the podcast. We're also going to look to see how fund investors have fared. And there's also some news uh, about property funds. And then Laura is going to look at gin again, which sounds like uh, her favourite subject. I'm always talking about gin through whatever (laughs) markets are doing. (laughs) So markets have been on another wild ride in the past of the week, and it's been pretty nerve wracking time for investors. And I think some are now even maybe avoiding looking at the news just because um, it looks slightly too depressing. But we've started to see the first businesses hit real trouble as a result of the virus. So, Dan, do you want to give us an update? Obviously, we can't cover everything, but some of the big headlines of the past week. So. Since we had quite a big drop on the markets last week, I'm really pleased to say there seems to be some sort of stabilisation. Yes, we are seeing um, sort of 1%, 2% movements up and down, um, but it, it just does feel like it's settling a bit. So if you, if you drew a chart of uh, the FTSE 100 over the last sort of couple of weeks, You'll see the last sort of few sessions as we're recording this, it seem to be sort of much more level. They haven't got these big drops going on. And what's happening is the central banks and governments are sort of throwing everything they can in the mix. Um, they're trying to support businesses and consumers. So the Trump administration in the US has outlined a $1 trillion package to support the world's biggest economy. And the UK has got its own stimulus measures, including £330 billion of business loans. So um, I think what, what what you're seeing is that cinemas are closing down, pubs are sort of the devices to try not to visit them. Restaurants are being hit. Retailers are reducing their hours. And in some cases, they're also um, closing shops entirely on a temporary measure. So that's a really big risk for jobs. And I think what... What we really want to see is anything to help these businesses as possible. Just get through this really difficult time. Um, there's, I was just looking at some of the share prices for the leisure companies. Uh, absolutely obliterated. So Marston's, the pubs company, has lost 83% of its value so far this year. And Cineworld, the cinema operator, has lost 90%. I mean, this is just incredible. It's almost like they're being priced um, almost to go bust, really. Um, and I think. What- and is that the case? Is it that investors just are so uncertain about how long this will go on and how it will impact companies that they're almost reducing them all to a level where they might go bust? Well, this is, yeah, I think with those two examples and cases that uh, the markets are pricing, yes, you're going to have a big drop in earnings, but they're also very heavily indebted businesses. So the fear is that if you get a big drop in earnings, you're going to be generating significantly less cash in the business. Can they still be able to afford to repay their debts? Now, Marston's, uh, a lot of its debt is is sort of tied to free uh, freehold property. So it 
in a normal circumstances, it might just say, well, well, we'll sell some of our pubs and we'll raise some cash that way. But you still have to ask who's going to be buying assets in the current market. With Cineworld, um, a couple of years ago, it, it made a big acquisition in America um, and that pushed its debt levels up to very high um, high levels against its, its history. And then really bizarrely, more recently, it made another huge acquisition in Canada. Arguably, I think it did it at the wrong time. So it, it's it's just drowning in debt. And of course, it's now the market sort of saying, well, you know, you shouldn't have done this aggressive growth spree and now you're paying the price for it. So, um, you know, I had an email yesterday from from Cineworld saying, like, your local cinema has been shut down um, temporarily. So, what, I mean, what is it going to do? It's a very difficult situation. So, Laura, I don't know what it's like me, but, you know, personally, my social trips have all been cancelled. You know, concerts I'm going to, the football match I was going to go to has been cancelled, holidays off. So I'm sure you've been affected, like most of our listeners as well. You're, you're not going to be going out and about and spending money, really, are you? No, exactly. And so I think for myself, and this is kind of away from the market stuff, but for myself, I'm trying to think about ways that I can support particularly smaller and local businesses while I am um, much more confined to my home. So, and, I, and I've definitely, it's useful to see what some local businesses are doing and whether that's buying kind of gift vouchers that you can use in the future or whether it's getting delivery or takeaway food from them um, if they've closed their actual restaurant. So I think that there is kind of, for those of us who are fortunate enough to keep our jobs in this time and to be able to work from home, there is a bit of a responsibility for us to kind of work out how we spend our money more responsibly as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly seeing that. I mean, I know personally I had um, someone in my street where I live has got in touch to say, you know, let's set up a WhatsApp group and talk about can we help people in need? And um, and that sort of extended to can we help local businesses as well? I mean, we're certainly seeing, um, I'm seeing it on social media as well, people saying we're going to do everything we can to try and to help, you know, just... You want to just help people get through the hard times. And also, I think going back to the point I made earlier, it's really trying to help people stay in employment, keep their jobs, because this let's hopefully say this could only be, say, a, a two or three month sort of blip in sort of the normal behaviour. But I guess we should just don't know. I mean, And so I, what I, else are we seeing companies do in terms of trying to to keep hold of employees and kind of shore up their financials there must be surely there must be an impact on on dividends uh, there is absolutely i mean we've seen william hill and shoe zone both come out and say we're not going to be paying dividends at the moment we just don't think it's the right thing partially because they need to sort of save a bit of money like you say to to help just keep the business um ticking over i mean william hills paid out 90 million pounds in dividends last year um so it's a quite sizable amount of money that they could um essentially reallocate that cash um as a sort of a temporary measure um, and as we're recording this masters has come out and said it's sort of hinting it won't be paying its next one that will save it 20 million pounds um you know it, it I think investors just need to understand um, that, yes, you might be used to collecting dividends on a regular basis, but really, we're all in this together. We've got to try and help um, the, the world of business and, and society um, just see through the things. And that means sort of giving up rewards that you might have had in the past. And I guess it's also, if you think about it from an investor point of view, it's better to sacrifice your dividend now and the company still be a going concern in six months' time than them continue to pay out the dividend and then um, not be able to kind of get through these difficult times. Yeah, absolutely. 
And so so I, is anything actually going up in markets? Well, I mean, yes, yes is a good thing. I mean, this ah, is this is the positive news. Absolutely, and I think whilst I, you know, I certainly know it, it, people must be feeling very anxious when they're looking at, say, their ISAs or their pensions and and sort of fearing about what's going on. You have seen quite a lot of stocks go up over the last week. Um, so, to give you some examples, Acardo is up by 28%. Um, Spirex Sarco, the engineers, up nearly 10%. Um, loads of the insurance companies are up. Loads of the utility companies as well, and even sort of telecom stuff. So, I mean, really. So, Laura, can you guess the connection? Why are all of those stocks going up? I, I, my guess would be that they are in some way benefiting from the current coronavirus outbreak. So supermarkets are benefiting from stockpiling and people going out to eat less. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we've had um, Morrison's have just come out uh, as we're recording this to say it's seen obviously a very strong demand for stuff. And we, we just need to look at the news. You know, supermarkets are seeing a really big increase in business. Um, but some of those other ones, they are they are all linked to coronavirus. You're correct. So it, it's something like um, PZ Cousins, which sells um, like shampoos and sort of um, and hand washing. Yeah, so stuff like that. So, I mean, obviously, they're seeing the pick up of demand. Something like BT. Well, if people are being forced to work from home, um, there seems to be sort of, sort of chatter that um, quite a lot of companies are going to force their employees to upgrade their internet connections to have faster broadband. Um, on the utility side, well, if we're washing our hands more um, to, to stay clean and healthy, not to spread any viruses, if you're on a water meter, then your, potentially your water bill is going to go up if you're doing that. Um, the Bank of England has cut interest rates, so basically you can't get any sort of return at all on cash in the bank. Um, that's naturally drawn people towards looking at insurance companies, which pay high yields, um, and even utilities again. Um, and actually, it, 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 yeah, this idea that you're, you're home more um, – in a way, investors are sort of thinking logically and thinking, well, okay, what what is, what could be a beneficiary of that situation? Um, so other stuff that's sort of seemingly in demand on the stock market is stuff like AO and Dixon's. They're both talking about increased sales of freezers. I think you know. People yeah, st- I had heard this. People kind of batch cooking and stockpiling food in their freezers, and yeah. I guess anything that offers a delivery service or switches to focusing more on its delivery service could potentially benefit as people order in more stuff, whether that's food or whether that's just all manner of things. Absolutely. And the other thing is, well, I, I certainly know that I'm in, incredibly busy working from home, but I'm looking the times I do look at social media. It seems like I'm not sure everyone's actually doing a full day's work at home. Um, so I think that something like streaming services, so like Netflix could see more subscriptions. And really interestingly, next week uh, in the UK and parts of Europe is the launch of the new Disney Plus streaming service. So just as schools are predicted to close, that feels yeah. like. So this could, yeah, it could be a saviour for parents looking for some um, distraction for their children. And, and I, I think that I was reading some stuff about how Disney's under pressure to try and bring forward the release of this. But, you know, it's it, it this date of, of releasing towards the end of March has been um, on the books for months. So it's not like Disney's just trying to capitalise on 
on this opportunity. It's just a pure coincidence. But I do think you're going to see people have certainly give it a go. Um, very interesting to see what the Disney share price is like, because I know in the US, demand for this streaming service, which came out towards tail end of last year, was way bigger than, it, um, than people were expecting. That's interesting. And so we've talked before about um, company directors buying shares in their own companies um, and how that can be a kind of sign of where they have confidence and, and conversely where they're selling shares, where they maybe don't have so much confidence in the company. So have you, I know you've been kind of digging through some of those. So are there any signs we can tell from that in terms of the fortunes of different companies? Yeah, well, I think the, the, the behaviour is really interesting. The ratio of buys to sells in terms of directors buying or selling shares in the company that they work for. Now, that is currently significantly above average in terms of the number of buys. And so just to give you an example, if you look at the top 20 deals by value for the week starting the 9th of March, 18 of those 20 deals were buys. Now, these are directors who are obviously taking a longer term view and thinking, well, this huge share price sell off has created an opportunity for me to uh, increase my personal stake in the business that I work for. So to give you some examples of stocks where this is happening. Um, you're seeing Melrose, um, Barclays, Rio Tinto, um, Talk Talk, um, and even, even some of the airlines that, well, you think, well, you know, it must be take a brave person to want to buy shares in an airline at the moment where it's seemingly all, all the planes are becoming grounded. Yeah. Um, you know, International Consolidated Airlines, which owns British Airways, they've the directors have done some buying there. Um, and also Wizz Air as well, directors buying there. I mean, it's, it is quite interesting. But th th there is one example that caught my eye where, I don't know, you, you, perhaps you thought the timing was a bit odd was Hollywood Bowl. So they, they run quite a lot of 10 pin bowling sites across the UK. So the two directors spent combined £35,000 on some shares. And within a couple of days of them buying, the shares nearly halved in value. And I, mean, I do feel sorry for them. Mm. Um, but then you think, well, you know, we're, the government's still kind of telling us not to be out and about. Um, if you're not going to go to pubs and restaurants, well, surely the same would apply to tenpin bowling. You don't want to sort of interact in a busy place. So I thought it was a bit strange how they were buying when it seemed to be the direction that the, the value of the business might fall. But maybe they're just taking this very long term view because, you know, after all, the shares are about 70p now. Um, earlier this year, they were above three pounds. And, you know, the directors just may think, well, you know, we're just taking this long term view that this is a fantastic business and this is my chance to own a bigger slice of it, even though I might lose something short term. And I guess it also highlights the thing that we always talk about, which is trying to time the market and trying to determine when the bottom of, of a market or a share price is, is so hard. And, and that example there shows that it's even hard for directors who were intimately involved in that business and the financials of the business it's very hard for them to um to predict or to call when the the shares are going to fall anymore so it's probably serves as a bit of a warning sign for investors who are trying to call the bottom of the market or call the bottom of a particular company's shares that that it is really tricky to do absolutely so what in the terms of fund investing, I mean, I know lots of people own individual shares, but you know, equally, lots of people own investment funds as well. What, 
I presume that they've been hit as equally as hard. So, Laura, I know that you've been looking at some figures. What what have you found? Yeah, so I had to look this week um, kind of out of personal interest as well. But to look at if we took from the start of this year um, to this week, um, looking at fund performance. So I looked at all um, funds available to retail investors um, in the UK and 93% of funds have returned a loss in the year so far. Um, so just 7% of funds are actually above zero, um, which I think highlights how um, we talk a lot about kind of shares and stocks investing. And that's obviously what fund managers are investing as well. And it shows the kind of impact on fund investors as well. And then within that, I kind of drilled down and looked at where the kind of where the worst performing funds sit. And um, I, I thought fairly surprisingly, the UK makes up 43% of the 100 worst performing funds. Wow. So if we list all of the funds by the worst performing going up, um, yeah, UK funds makes up a massive chunk of that. And obviously, we know that, that the UK market has been hit particularly hard, but um, it still surprised me how much that, that made up of, of the worst performers. It might be partially to do with, um, say, the US market was very strong at the start of the year. So it might have had, you know, Whilst that's fallen recently, it might you know, it's sort of almost like giving it a bit of an advantage at the start. But what, 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 so what exactly? So in, in terms of the worst performing sectors, um, so worst performing funds, is, are they all sort of invested in the same sort of area, or is it? So yeah, energy is particularly badly hit. So if you look at the kind of list of worst performing, lots of the ones that have delivered the biggest losses are focused on the energy sector. And that's because they've been hit with this double whammy of the the, the issue between Saudi and, and Russia and that caused the oil price collapse. And then just lots of the stocks they invest in being dragged down again, just by market concern and, and market volatility. So if we look at, at the worst performing ones, they're, they're energy funds. And so, for example, the worst performing fund in the year so far is a Schroeder Global Energy Fund, and it is down more than 58% in the year so far. Crikey. What, and what about, um, have you looked at funds that aren't necessarily invested in equities, perhaps invested in assets such as bonds? How, how, that, how might they have performed? Yeah, exactly. So bond funds are, so I talked about that 7% that are sitting above zero that haven't delivered a loss so far this year. Um, and like 85% of the top performing funds are bond focused. Um, and so bond markets have performed pretty well, obviously, so far this year. The the thing to caution, obviously, is that the, the gains they've made are nowhere near the, the level to counteract the losses that the worst performing funds have made. So while we're talking about losses in the kind of 40, 30, 50 percent mark, um, the best performing funds, well, the best performing fund has delivered a 12 percent positive return. And that's a Threadneedle global bond fund. But essentially, lots of the stuff that's invested in um, UK government bonds or global bonds um, has performed much better. And I think that's interesting because it shows the importance of diversification. So if you had entirely all of your portfolio in equity markets, then um, you wouldn't have had any of that balancing effect from from the bond funds having risen during that time. So it's probably a, a timely reminder um, to all of us that we need to kind of make sure that we're, we're spreading around a bit. And, and the same with some of the funds that have fallen, but haven't fallen by as much. Um, it kind of highlights how that, that spread, I guess, that you need to have across the markets. 
Yeah. What about property funds? I mean, they're, they're certainly properties and asset we're told might be quite good in a diverse portfolio. But um, I'm seeing news again that we've got more property funds that have suspended dealing. Is it? Is there something? So it's interesting. Yeah. When I looked at the the performance of funds, property funds were actually some of the ones that were sprinkled among those bond funds that have actually made a positive return so far this year. But they're kind of in more niche areas. So they're things like um, Asia Pacific property. And so they're probably not going to be your core property holdings. Um, But since I ran this data, we've seen, I think it's now three property funds close on top of the M&G property fund that had already closed um, last year. Now, the fact that three have already closed means that probably by the time this comes out, that information will be out of date because more will have closed. So we, and this means, um, I'm using the word closed and that's not technically right, they've suspended. So it means that you can't buy or sell units in the fund. And this has happened because there's, um, the way these property funds work is there's something called an independent valuer. And that's someone who determines the value of the properties that these funds hold because they hold physical buildings, so office blocks and shopping centres. And essentially the independent um, valuer, which is companies like Knight Frank or CBRE, which are well known in the property world, They've said that because of the market volatility at the moment, they don't have enough confidence to be able to accurately value what these properties are worth. Um, And so there are certain regulatory rules um, and codes of practice that mean that if the the fund manager has uncertainty about the level of value in, in the holdings, it has to suspend the fund because it can't accurately say to fund investors, okay, your unit in this fund is worth X amount because it doesn't know the the true value of, of the underlying property holdings. Um, and I think the issue we have is when one independent valuer says that for funds, then it's hard to see how other independent valuers wouldn't come to the same conclusion. So you end up with this kind of uh, chain reaction effect where one closes and then they all end up closing. Well, yeah, it certainly does sound like that's the direction of travel, isn't it? So uh, frustrating if you've got a property fund, but you know, no reason to sort of rush to sell it now. Um, and I think it's that frustrating thing of um, we always get asked the question of, well, what should investors do? And and people will remember, I mean, obviously, the biggest fund suspension that's happened recently was um, Woodford, and, and that ended very poorly. Um, there's nothing to say that the property funds will end in the same way. We saw property fund closures after the Brexit referendum vote all those years ago, um, and they closed. Um, they sold off some assets. They built up their cash positions. Markets became a bit more certain, and they were more certain of the valuation of them. And then they reopened again in an orderly manner. So I think investors, firstly, shouldn't shouldn't panic that that it's going to end up being a kind of Woodford-style situation where the funds get closed because. Um, recent history has shown that that isn't the case with property funds. Um, And the second thing that rather frustratingly, there is nothing they can do at the moment. You can't buy it, you can't sell it. So you just have to to wait to hear. um, If you're invested in those funds, you just have to wait to hear from the fund manager when they're going to reopen the fund or whether they're extending that suspension. Yeah. Okay. So just finally, we, I, I know you're desperate to talk about gin. Um, yeah, have you managed to find enough gin in your local supermarket whilst you've been in lockdown? Or is, Fear is not. This- I have been stockpiling for years in the eventuality that I get stuck in my house. So 
we're all good. But um, I thought it might be nice to have some slightly light-hearted news at the end of this. Um, so this week we saw that the government basically uses a basket of goods that it uses to calculate um, inflation each year. And um, every year it comes out with a change in that basket of goods. And it's really interesting. It sounds very techy, but it's actually really interesting because it shows how trends are changing and, and what things are no longer in favour and being bought by the British public and which things are in favour. Um, obviously, these don't all reflect our own individual basket of goods. But this year, gin in a tin became part of the inflation basket. Wow. So this is those kind of pre-mixed cocktails that you get in a can that you see people swigging on trains often. I've seen you, Dan. I've seen you on the trains drinking from them. <laughs> um, so other things that came in are gluten-free food, because that's a rising trend uh, for people. Reusable cups, because we're all using them more in coffee shops rather than using the disposable ones. Um, and then you kind of look at the things that are no longer in favour or moving out of favour. DVD and Blu-ray players, they were previously two separate entries on the list. They're now being combined into one to reflect the fact that um, most people don't have DVD or Blu-ray players anymore. Although I'm fairly sure, Dan, you probably have both and a VHS player. Well, I, I, I have a DVD player and a VHS player, but I've yet to... Um to upgrade to the modern world of Blu-ray yet. So that's... <laughs> Is that too modern for you? You're worried about that technology. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and MP4 players have been removed um, in favour of a kind of general portable music player to show that we're all using things like Spotify and things like that more. So um, it's quite interesting. It's just an interesting show of how trends are changing over, over the years. Great. Well, thank you, everyone, for, for listening to the podcast week. Again, apologies if the sound quality isn't as good as we normally have it because we're just using Skype. Um, we will continue to push these podcasts out every week, so please do uh, make sure you tune into the next one. And you can listen to us via Spotify, the iPhone podcast app, or Podbean, or, or just via Shares Magazine or HBL Invest website. So thank you ever so much, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks a lot. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell or Shares Magazine. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor. Thank you.